We hear a lot of stories about reincarnation and children remembering past lives. I personally believe in all of it. The craziest story of them all is that of the Pollock twins. They might just have proved to the world that reincarnation is in fact real. Hey guys, welcome back to uh, not an episode of the Haunted Detective podcast, but the filler episodes that I've been promising you guys for ages on TikTok. Today, we're going to be talking about the Pollock twins. And as always, I'm your host and favorite paranormal believer, but everyone calls me the paranormal Sherlock Holmes. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys are listening and along for the ride with us. So without further ado, buckle in. Let's get into it. Pamela, do you believe in reincarnation? I do not but I find the topic riveting. I just believe, listen, I think that the idea of reincarnation is really cool. I think that people have really interesting stories and accounts that make a lot of people believe in reincarnation, but I think there's just some stories that are a little bit too good to be true, like how some people are like, Dude, I was in a past life on the Titanic. In the past life, I was a pharaoh. I'm like, are you sure? Are we positive? So the thing with the Pollock twins is it is so tangible. Like, it's just, it's there and it's not a, oh, I had a dream that I was a pharaoh in Egypt or, oh, mm -hmm. I had a dream that I was on the Mayflower sailing to America. Right. It. This is like you can watch the progression of it. And that's why I'm using this example to convince you and our skeptical side of our audience. I'm really excited to hear it. I can't wait. 11-year-old Joanna and 6-year-old Jacqueline Paula grew up in Hexham, England in the 1950s. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. They had a good relationship with their parents, John and Florence, and they had a normal social life and did well in school. Then, in May of 1957, the Pollock sisters were walking to church with their nine-year-old friend Anthony when a drug-induced driver bowled right into them. Oh my god. It was later stated, after she was admitted to a psychiatric facility, that the woman had just lost custody of her children and, in the midst of a psychotic break, wanted to get back at the world in a really fucked up way. Okay. All three kids died. <gasps> yes. What the fuck? So I know people have asked, I don't know anything about Anthony or his family, and it is tragic that he lost his life, but unfortunately, the story is not about him, and his family wasn't really public with anything, so we're going to have to respect that. Yes, of course. John and Florence did not know how to cope with such intense and immeasurable grief. I mean, who does, though? No, I can't think of anybody who can properly handle that much grief in one moment. I mean, that's just horrible. You lose two children in just one fell swoop. I can't imagine the parents' pain. The couple were diehard Catholics, and a common fight amongst them was the existence of reincarnation. Florence could not stand that John believed in it so strongly. But this was John's way of coping. He became obsessed with the notion that he could somehow bring his daughters back, and his wife just wanted to move on. She detested him because of it. And because of that, they almost got a divorce. You know, you have one side saying, no, we're religious. Like, we don't believe in this. We believe in God and heaven and the afterlife. And I want to believe that my daughters are in heaven right now. And John's like, well, no, they're coming back to us. I'm going to make it so like they are coming back to us. I find that really interesting, but I also find it incredibly sad just for the sole purpose of you're seeing two sides, extreme sides of 
faith and grief. So you're seeing one person who's coping with it in a way that's like, no, they're, they're still here. It's reincarnation. Like this is giving me comfort. And then you have her saying, well, I am with my faith. This is what I believe that, but this is providing me with comfort. So it's almost like we're both getting comfort from this tragic event. I guess I I wish they weren't fighting because they're both grieving heavily. So, but they're just doing it in different ways. And I think that's really interesting of how different they're handling it. Well, the thing is, is that no two people grieve in the same way, which is why when someone loses their child, it normally ends up in divorce because as I would assume, two parties can't see eye to eye on how either one wants to grieve. Right. It's just something that's incredibly difficult to bear. So here's the thing. Before I go forward, I want to be clear with this. Twins are a genetic phenomena and you usually see them pop up throughout a family's history. That is important. And in a second, we're going to get back to that. So before they really got a chance to get a divorce, which again is a big deal coming from a Catholic mm-hmm. or a Catholic family, Florence got pregnant. So now I'm going to say the Pollocks on either side, John or Florence's family, had never once ever given birth to twins. So it is so immeasurably rare for parents to birth twins if it's never once happened before ever. Yeah, I've never heard of that happening. So even through examinations and doctor's visits, the Pollock's physician told Florence and John that there was only one baby coming. Even with the low statistical likelihood of twins and the doctor only seeing one child in Florence's womb, she gave birth to two baby girls. Oh, she only saw one? Yeah. But then she gave birth to two. Yes. See, I, I, I can't speak to back in the day in England what medical tools they used to deduce oh, yeah. how many babies you were pregnant with or whatnot. But they did have it pretty down pat. You know, they had right. their way. It wasn't as advanced as our way, but it, w- it worked. The technology was kind of there. Yeah, it was, we, you know, it was a hint of check- technology, a dash, <laughs> a sprinkle of it. So along comes Jillian and Jennifer. Here's where things get weird. The twins were identical, save a birthmark that each of them had. Jennifer had a small one on her hip in the same place that Jacqueline did. And to make matters weirder, Jennifer also had one on her forehead where Jacqueline had previously bore a scar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a little bit of a coincidence. This is not the only story where a child has a past life and has a birthmark where their past life had a scar. And the birthmark is almost always white. And this birthmark on Jennifer was... White. Yes. Okay. So the family moved to Whitley Bay, which is some ways away from Hexham. As the twins grew up, John and Florence would never speak of their deceased sisters or the incident. It was forbidden in the family. They didn't have any articles. Of course, there was no TV at the time. They were far enough away that no one knew that it happened, that the girls were around. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they had siblings, but those siblings were strictly prohibited from bringing it up. Well, that just makes them want to look into it further. Well, it was as if the original girls didn't even exist. But that hurts. Jillian and Jennifer remembered Hexham and the small town that the Pollocks used to live in. When the twins were four, the family moved back and they started displaying even weirder behaviors. They remembered everything about their sisters' lives, the school they attended, favorite playground, and they could even navigate to both with no assistance from either parent. 
On top of that, the twins referred to their sister's toys by name and knew that Jacqueline's belonged to Jennifer and Joanna's belonged to Jillian. This seemed to confuse Florence the most, and she ended up hiding the toys away, but the girls kept asking for them. It wasn't just that, though. Their personalities lined up as well. Joanna was always protective of Jacqueline, and Jillian, who was born 10 minutes before Jennifer, was much more mature and treated her sister as the younger sibling. What? Everything was too similar to dismiss. It was haunting. John was insistent that his little girls had been reincarnated and come back to them. But Florence, bless her heart, was still doubtful. And then the twins started talking about the car accident. Remember when I said that they didn't know their older sisters? Yeah. Let that sink in. I'm letting it sink in. They had no access to articles. Again, they didn't know that they had older sisters. They would play a game where they recreated the accident, the details that were never even released to the public. One time, Florence heard this dialogue. Jillian was holding Jennifer's head in her lap saying, the blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hits you. And then in another instance, Jillian remarked on Jennifer's forehead birthmark saying, that is the mark Jennifer got when she fell on a bucket, which is how Jacqueline had gotten the scar. Oh my God. The girls also had reoccurring night terrors about being hit by a car and were terrified to be near cars or even in them. Okay, this is a little weird. Yep. Mm -hmm. I won't lie, I'm, I'm a little weirded out right now. As the years went by, the girls slowly forgot about their past lives. Jillian later on, however, still retained some memories of a home in Wickham that Joanna had lived with her parents at the age of four. So let's say that reincarnation was like a fact like mm -hmm. i know that a lot of people do believe in it and i respect that but i'm saying like for for science purposes let's say that it is like it is solid truth there is no if ands or buts if that is the case and they're forgetting not forgetting but like you said they were forgetting fuck me they were forgetting slowly their past lives the first thought that came to my mind was when the girls before them passed away did they slowly start forgetting once they passed that age that's a really good question and that isn't specifically stated but i just thought, it wondered could be possible that's that's a really good question i honestly would assume so because the girls wouldn't have a memory of that because they didn't live to that point it's also a reoccurring theme in every single reincarnation story where kids remember these specific things and these very specific details at a certain age. And then once they hit that mark, it's like they start to forget. And yeah. then they're like, wait, I had a past life. What are you talking about? Yeah, that, that makes me wonder. I wonder if it's an age thing. Like if you if the person passed away at 20 years old and the person who said to have been reincarnated of that person, they live to 21 or not, not live to 21, but they live past the 20th mark. I wonder if that's why they start to forget because the original person did not have any memories to then carry on. I mean, in most cases, they forget like around the age five, six, seven, eight. Huh. So it's um, with kids. Yes. It, that's it's even creepier. With that's kids. even creepier. <laughs> I heard a similar one about a child who he believed that he was a past in his past life. He was a pilot and he had, was able to recount these details and how the plane went down. And so, I mean... Reincarnation is a really interesting topic. 
it's also fucking creepy as hell. Well, there was another one. There was another one in the Middle East. I'm forgetting exactly where it was, but it was this little boy. And he always had this white scar on his head. And he Mm -hmm. knew from like a very young age, he was like, well, this is where the axe hit me. And I died before. This is where I died. And he was convinced. He was like, I know where I'm buried and it's in a different village or in a different town. Like, I know where it is. He's like three or four years old, you know, and it's like too young to understand or comprehend or even know about that kind of violence. And so one of the village elders brought him to the man who he knew killed him in his past life. And they confronted the man and he was like, you killed me. You killed such and such. And the man like went white and the boy was able to bring them to where he was buried. And lo and behold, the body that they found the skeleton had an ax cut in its head, exactly shape, size, everything position where the boy had the birthmark, the white birthmark. That is so creepy. I mean, really interesting, but that's that's really fucking scary and a little traumatizing like three years old and you're like yeah i um i was murdered just gonna put that out there i can't i honestly i cannot imagine it but with that in mind uh we need to talk about some stuff regarding the podcast changes that have already happened people are asking a lot of questions and to just quickly clarify Griff was not fired from the show. Uh, It was a mutual decision. If you guys still want to hear more of her content, she is with Rooster Teeth still on the Rooster Teeth podcast or RTP. And that schedule, because she works two jobs there, was getting busier and busier and busier and busier. So we ended up hopping on a phone call and I said to her, listen, I'm going to say no for you. You're stressed. There's a lot going on and you need to prioritize your day job. And she was very grateful for that. So I know that there have been a lot of questions regarding it. Pamela, actually, in the very beginning stages of the podcast, it was written for Pamela to be the co-host. And Pamela, at the time, had a very stressful and taxing job and couldn't really swing it. So, of course, once Griff, her schedule got too busy, I went right back to Pamela because that's who I shaped the script around. So nothing but love love here. Nothing but love here. And again, if you guys want to support her still, you can still do that. Like I said, love all around, okay? Stop being hater hanks and just love everybody. I understand that, you know, when you're unhappy with something, it's so easy to just comment and be like, oh, I hate this thing. But like, if you guys like the show and you appreciate us and you enjoy us, it really, really helped to have our fans reviewing it as well as the haters. The reviews helped us reshape the show to make season two even better. And then moving forward with season three, which going forward from now on, we are not just going to be focusing on one case. We are going to be focusing on a topic and multiple cases and scenarios within that topic. I kind of just ran out of ways to focus on one case. So (laughs) it also just broadens our horizons. And we also get to hear from you guys and what you guys want to hear about. So if you're ever on Kelsey's TikTok or my TikTok or our Instagrams or even leaving a review on iTunes, you can give us some suggestions on like, hey, this this folklore is super interesting, or hey, this mythology is super interesting. You can tell us what you want to hear, and we can definitely take it into consideration. We listen to it. We, 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 we listen do. to your feedback. We apply your feedback because, again, we would not be here without you guys. So 
We love you. But anyways, I am so excited for you guys to listen to season three and let us know what you think. And we will see you back bright and late. (laughs) Monday at midnight. (laughs) Monday at midnight.